The Cuban ambassador to the U.S. was in Detroit recently, and she has a message for you. They are waiting for you, Michiganders, in Cuba. So go, go, and you will find a safe and friendly country that is ready to welcome you. Lianis Torres Rivera's invitation to Detroit came from the Michigan agricultural business leaders and some government officials and others who have long been advocating for change in U.S. policy towards Cuba. This is just another step in the ongoing efforts to normalize relations between the two countries. Today on the podcast, Cuban ambassador Lianis Torres Rivera explains the current situation between Cuba and the U.S. and why she and others are hoping to change it. This is Stateside. I'm Mercedes Mejia, in for April Bear. It's no secret that relations between the United States and Cuba are fraught. Here's a crash course on why. After the Cuban Revolution in 1959, the U.S. began restricting trade with the communist country. The embargo, or blockade as the Cubans call it, devastated that nation's economy. You may have heard of the special period during the 1990s when the Soviet Union collapsed. Cuba lost access to large amounts of oil, food, and other products. It was a devastating time in Cuba. Jumping to the Obama administration, things started looking different. The U.S. loosened trade restrictions between the two countries, and U.S. citizens could travel more freely to Cuba. This week we made it official. I'm going to Cuba. When Michelle and I go to Havana next month, it will be the first visit of a U.S. president to Cuba in nearly 90 years. And it builds on the decision I made more than a year ago to begin a new chapter in our relationship with the people of Cuba. You see, I believe that the best way to advance American interests and values, and the best way to help the Cuban people improve their lives, is through engagement, by normalizing relations between our governments and increasing contacts between our peoples. Things all changed when Trump took office. He piled back on strict sanctions. Again, the Cuban economy suffered. We now hold the cards. The previous administration's easing of restrictions on travel and trade does not help the Cuban people. They only enrich the Cuban regime. But people like Lianis Torres Rivera are trying to normalize relations again between the two countries. She was actually involved in reestablishing diplomatic relations between Cuba and the U.S. during the Obama administration. We sat down to talk while she was in Detroit, and I started by asking her about where Cuba and U.S. relations are today. Well, uh, Cuba and U.S. relations are not in the best of our times, but if we compare them with uh, the status that we reach with uh, the Obama administration, where some opening was done by both parts. And back then, we signed like 22 MOUs 
in different areas of interest for the U.S. and Cuba, like telecommunications, law enforcement, agriculture, healthcare. But uh, now those MOUs, those agreements are enforced, but we are not uh, implementing them as we should. We start some talking, some dialogue on migration. Last year, we had two rounds of dialogue, and then we have one more one on law enforcement just January 2023. And then we have some exchanges in environment, still limited. And uh, some measures were taken by the Biden administration in May, which are positive for remittances, to span remittances and flights to different airports of uh, Cuba that were uh, cut during the Trump administration. And in the reopening of the consular services in Havana for the immigrant visas. In this moment, we are far from the point that we reached with the Obama administration. And the, uh, if you go to the policy of maximum, we call it pressure, against Cuba is still in place because we are still included in the state sponsor of terrorism list, which is a major hurdle for Cuba. Um, uh, the sanctions, the, the, the toughest sanctions that are, are, comes with that and with others uh, uh, things are still in place. And they are hurting and damaging our economy. So uh, we are not in a good position. The relationship between the two countries thawed, as you said, considerably under President Obama, but restrictions were reimposed by the Trump administration. Did you expect President Biden would loosen restrictions? I cannot tell you what President Biden of the U.S. government could do. It's only something that they can answer. But what I could, I could tell you is that the sanctions should be eased because it's what is fair for the Cuban people that are enduring these uh, sanctions in their daily life that affect every family, every child in Cuba because we don't have enough income to get our, the medicine that are needed, the food that is needed in Cuba. And it's something that should be fair to do. And is I suppose that it is in the national interest of the U.S. people as well, because you have a business sector that wants to do business in Cuba freely, and then you have an, the education sector, you have the scientific sector, the biotech sector, the cultural sector that want to do exchanges with Cuba and has a better, more open relation with Cuba, so we are ready to do it. And we hope it could be done. So what brings you to Michigan? Well, I'm trying to build bridges between Michigan and Cuba. We have a historic relation, for example, in education. You have a delegation that have gone to Cuba from Michigan State University, from Detroit University, that has traveled to Cuba in the past. You have a delegation of uh, the agriculture sector that went to Cuba in 2020 with some legislators as well. So there's an interest there. And we are trying to uh, retake all that, to bring them to Cuba and bring 
bridges between, between Michigan and Cuba, between the cities of, and the counties of the U.S. and Cuba, to connect the people, our people. If we do that, it will be a success, this visit, and we want to do it. You met with the faculty of the University of Detroit Mercy Law School. You've had conversations with elected officials um, and also members of Wayne County Commission. What is your message to them? My message to them is that we have many opportunities to cooperate between Michigan and Cuba, between Detroit Mercy Law School, between the counties, and my message is that they have to go to Cuba, sit with, with our counterparts there, and find out the enormous room that we have to cooperate and to advance the interests of your people here and our people there. We need to take a quick break. More in just a minute. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from the University of Michigan's Go Blue Guarantee, committed to keeping a U of M undergraduate education within reach of all Michigan residents, regardless of socioeconomic status. Programs are available for all three campuses. More at goblueguarantee.umich.edu. Support for Michigan Public's Stateside Podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. You spoke about, you know, Michigan agriculture has been very interested in in building relationships with Cuba. Do you do you foresee some opportunity for Michigan farmers to do business with Cuba? Of course, of course. I know that uh, Michigan farmers has been interested for years. For example, in exporting to Cuba soybeans, dry beans, apple, dairy products, poultry. We could do that if we open more the markets. But, for example, if Cuba could have better opportunities to buy from the U.S., you will, have, you will be benefit, and, I mean, your farmers and our people as well. For example, if we could have access to credit here, we could buy more. But if you have to pay in cash and on front payments, it's, it's difficult. No one buy today in, in these conditions. So I know that there's interest here in Michigan. There's interest in Cuba. We just need to change the way in which we are doing this, uh, this uh, uh, trade. Cubans of different generations certainly have mixed feelings about the political changes in Cuba. What do you think of, of the shifting perception from the newer generations? Well, it's normal that a new generation has their own ideas. I mean, it's life. It's life. But what I feel is that the new generations wants the same that our government wants, is to have 
eh, Modern Cuba, eh, Developed Cuba. I'm talking about the economy and the social, but to keep what has been achieved but the after the, the 59th revolution, the achievement that we had in education, in healthcare, that are both of them free and universal, and were not like that before. We want a better economy, and we want at the same time to keep those achievements. And we want to uh, preserve, to keep the model of uh, social justice that uh, has been created in Cuba in 59 and has been uh, remodeled and updating year by year. And now I don't know if you are aware that Cuba is undergoing a deep transformation in our economy in terms of widening the micro, small, and medium companies, private companies, and uh, not agriculture cooperative, but also in terms of the uh, of the widening of the autonomy of the state-owned companies, and these are important transformation in our economic and social models that you don't read too much about that in in the U.S. media, but. Uh, certainly, they are changing uh, the scape, the landscape of the Cuban economy, and we are certain that it uh, will be for the good of our uh, people, especially our young people. Can you talk a little bit about in Michigan some of the conversations that you've had already? What do, what did they say about um, U.S.-Cuba relations and what role they want to play? Well. Uh, I've been updating them about the situation in Cuba and because of the, for example, with the Detroit Mercy Law School, we were talking about the uh, all the changes in our legislation because we have a new uh, constitution in 2019 that was passed with the approval of more than 86% of the population. And because of the new constitution, we have many laws that has to be passed and have been already passed in Cuba. So I think, for example, in that area, it would be interesting to see how we have been doing that. It would be interesting uh, for our lawyers to exchange with your lawyers here in Michigan about your experience in, in passing laws. In, for example, we have a new families code, which is very advanced in Cuba. It would be interesting for you to, to see what is that, uh, how it will help the, the elderly people in Cuba, the LGBTQ uh, community, our children, it would be interested. It would be interested if we talk about the, the medical schools in Michigan to see several and, and in the counties that I have visited, this, the programs that we have for uh, the pregnancy, for the, to, t- uh, to take care of the newborn babies. There's a lot of opportunities. And we, we have been talking about that, a project that can be carried out for the good of the Michiganders and Cubans. And that's the Stateside Podcast. I'm Mercedes Mejia in for April Bear. You can find the full Stateside show at michiganradio.org. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blake, Ronya Kabansag, and April Van Buren. 
Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music from the show comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.